Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is episode number 63 and on today's show we welcome back Tim Jordan from last week. And he's kindly come back for part two of our two-part deep dive into product research and product launching. And on today's show, we cover a lot. So Tim's a big fan of launching with Amazon-sponsored ads, so we dive deeply into that. And we also talk about product reviews and the best way to get them. Uh, The answer may be a little bit simpler than you expect. Uh, We also chat about other marketplaces outside of Amazon and whether they're worth pursuing or not. Um, And I'm talking about marketplaces particularly in the United States. Uh, Tim also loves to test things out first before getting too far ahead of himself with brands and trademarks and all that fun stuff. So, But if a line of products does take off, he's all in. And so he talks us through how that sort of plays out for him. And finally, Tim talks today about the end game experience of selling on Amazon, uh, which is to sell your Amazon business and how he was able to exit with a large six-figure payday from his first Amazon business. Uh, great story there. Uh, now, private coaching. So if you'd like to book a time to chat with me privately and confidentially about your Amazon business, either strategically or if you've got some product ideas you'd like to run past me, shoot me a message first over at chris at christhomas.com.au and uh, we can sort of take things from there and see whether um, it might be worth booking a time to to really do, dive into it. Whether, whether you're just starting out or whether you've actually got an Amazon business running at the moment, I've got students at all different phases of their life cycle. And then tomorrow night... That's actually the 20th of June, 2019. So apologies if you're listening to this episode in the future, but I'll be hosting an India Sourcing Info webinar, which I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, with a previous guest to the show, which is Megla Barbwaj. And Megla is actually organizing this amazing event. So please feel free to join this webinar at 7.30 p.m. Thursday, the 20th of June. 2019 and to do that all you need to do is head over to the australianseller.com forward slash india and it'll take you straight there to register your interest there it's going to be a really really fun and lots of members of the australian seller uh, facebook group will also be there as well on that webinar so if you want to join our facebook group uh, which we're now almost at 500 members which is fantastic small but quality so if you head over to facebook Actually, head over to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash Facebook and that'll take you there. But anyway, let's get on with the show and indulge me for a few seconds with one of my favorite bands of all time, Even, and their awesome, awesome track, Black Umbrella. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast, and I am thrilled, of course, to be welcoming back to the show Tim Jordan, who was on last week from Private Label Legion and also from Hickory Flats. So, Tim, give us a quick brief intro, uh, and then we can hop into some questions in part two of our of our uh, interview. Yeah, so if you did not listen to last week's uh, brief intro, uh, the episode last week, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. If you did listen last last week, you're just going to have to bear with us and listen again. Um, <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I've been selling e-commerce for about five years. Started on Amazon and uh, quickly started a service-based business where we did sourcing and logistics. And we had a 3PL prep center here in Amazon for Amazon US. Did a bunch of stuff. Uh, made a lot of mistakes. Had a lot of big successes. Mm-hmm. My first Amazon business, we hit seven, or I'm sorry, we hit one million in sales in about seven months. 
um, good margins and jump deeply into the whole concept of creating my own products, which would create my own brands and, uh, and trying to become platform agnostic where I wasn't relying on Amazon as much, but using them for you know, the strength that they have. So uh, I've launched a lot of different brands. I sold uh, sold out of my first business, my first Amazon business. Oh. And um, mm-hmm. now we've got several different brands that we operate. We've got a few different accounts that we operate out of. And we are quickly trying to um, basically sell more off of Amazon than we do on Amazon. And uh, we're headed in that direction pretty quickly. We source in about six different countries right now. We have our own manufacturing facility that we built and operate solely here in the U.S., mm-hmm. And, uh, I get to get out and meet a lot of people. We have, um, you know, our business entity, which is Hickory Flats. We have some services. We do sourcing retreats. We do mastermind programs. We do training, stuff like that. And the other half of our business is actual products where we actually have our own brands and products. And then the private label legion is our community. That's kind of the branding that we put on the community and the free content and the free training and all that good stuff that you guys have access to. Um, look us up private label legion. We got a Facebook group, Facebook page, all that good stuff. And it's all free information, so you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. That's awesome. Um, there's so much to unpack in all of what you just described there. I know. Uh, so, <laughs> so last week we really talked a lot about uh, you know sourcing effectively off Amazon and then using Amazon to launch the products as really a soft launch. So we were testing keywords, that sort of thing, using PPC. And, and selling keywords, not products, I think it was the expression that you used. Correct. Yes. Yep. So really doing that that market research and validating that there was real demand conversion rates through some of your advertising that you're running and then basically shutting the listing down and then going into the next step, which I really want to dive in today, into today, which is around sort of an official launch. You've tested everything. You're happy with the product. You know it's going to work. Now we need to make, them, make this thing properly, I, I would imagine. Uh, source it properly and then launch properly. So can we dive a little bit into that process and how that works for you? Sure. So we talked uh, last week a lot about our test phase, which is really important because a lot of the products that we're interested in selling, we don't know if they're going to sell, right? Because typically we're the first to platform or uh, nearly first. So once we go through this this process of testing, we have pretty reasonable degree of certainty that this product is going to be a success. Now we're actually going to launch it. So now is when we're going to take the time to source it well, get exactly what we want, um, you know, get our packaging right, um, all that good stuff. And we need to invest pretty heavily here because the worst thing in the world that can happen is run out of stock, you know, when you're mm-hmm. launching a product. So we've already tested, you know, it, it, it's time to uh, kind of poo or get off the pot, so to speak. <laughs> um, you, sh- you should really have very little doubt that this is going to work. And if it works as well as you think it is, it should move pretty quickly. So now we're, we're going to take the time to invest and get this thing done. Um, lots of ways to source. You guys all, all know that. Lots of uh, different different things we could talk about and we won't get too much into the sourcing and logistics. I really want to get onto method. So if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yep. That's all good. Okay. So there's a lot of misinformation out there about launches. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a lot of that misinformation comes about from the need to find a hack, to find like a cheat, to, to, to beat the system. And the reason that so many people needed that system or that hack was because they were launching the wrong products. They were launching products that were already saturated, right? So as you guys know, you know the history of things. Really, the first the first big launch mechanism was to do um, you know these deep discounts that showed a really high conversion rate. Um, we could do follow ups and, and give people you know all sorts of incentives for reviews, yada yada yada. You know, two or three 
even four years ago. So you guys all know that. I don't want to beat that in the ground. But let me talk about what's going on right now. Amazon has been slapped by the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. and that has changed a mountain of uh, things that have to happen you know, within Amazon. So when Amazon started coming in and saying, Hey, it's against terms of service to manipulate rank and it's against terms of service to solicit for reviews, right? Everybody thought that was Amazon just being a turd basically. But what happened is we have government oversight, at least here in the U S that controls consumer or that, that, that doesn't control, but it protects consumers. Right? So what happens is, uh, the the FC, the Securities Exchange Commission or FCC, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one of those organizations are almost about the same, started looking and saying, wow, people are making purchase decisions. So they're making monetary decisions based on information that they are led to believe is like social proof, yet it's not. It's all been manipulated, these reviews, right? So what happened was the government called up Amazon. Amazon said, oh, crap, we need to change this. So what did they do? They said, okay, guys, it's against terms of service to manipulate reviews. And everybody said, oh, okay, great. So we changed our, our feedback mechanisms and our review getting mechanisms, and we got really sly, right? And we said, and I'm talking about reviews now, I'll talk about ranking in a minute, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'll talk about giveaways in a minute. Um, they're both kind of related. So what people started doing, and I'll admit we did it some, was um, got involved in these deal websites and these review groups where basically someone would buy our product for full price, and then we would PayPal them the money to reimburse them. Amazon cannot track that. Everybody thinks that Amazon has like hidden, you know, hidden spies in Facebook and your PayPal. No, they don't. But it was obvious that this is going on because, you know, a a product would launch and out of 100 Mm -hmm, sales, they'd get mm -hmm. 80 reviews. You know, that's crazy. So the government's still banging on Amazon's door saying, hey, guys, uh, this is a violation. You got to fix this. You got to fix this. You got to fix this. So if Amazon couldn't figure out how to track which are legitimate reviews, what they decided they could do was track a legitimate rate of reviews. Okay. So what they started doing is looking at listings and saying, hey, this is in home and kitchen. In home and kitchen, there is an average 3% review rate. So for every 100 items sold, they get three reviews. Oh my gosh, look at this listing. They've sold 100 and they've got 50 reviews. They're at 50%. Let's crush everything until we get down to that 3%. So they just started wiping reviews. And it was crazy when they did this, they didn't warn anybody, but people that had spent Literally, I know people that spent tens of thousands of dollars for reviews that were all woke gone. up and like mm-hmm. 90% of the reviews are gone and all that money was down the crap and there's nothing we can do about it. And it's just the way it is. Yeah. Right? I was just going to say that Amazon's actually also tightened up uh, last year with the review velocity side of things as well. So, you know, I've had instances where I've launched products and because of the launch and the fact that I was using uh, the discounting and the giveaway, um, method at the time after I got quite a few reviews customers weren't allowed to leave any more reviews it was actually there was a message that they were receiving when they tried to leave a review so yeah there's no doubt that Amazon slaps products with speeding tickets if they're getting too many reviews too fast exactly and keep in mind that's not Amazon that was the government you know we we as Amazon sellers and I say this you know collectively we sometimes are a little entitled you know, we get our feelings hurt and we get upset. Oh, Amazon's not letting us do this that we're entitled to. Well, that's bull crap. It's Amazon's platform. We need to just be thankful we can use it and understand that they're not always out to get us. You know, sometimes there are things out of their control like this government mandate, right? So now let's go back to um, how, I f- yeah, how I feel about, about 
the other aspects of launching. So one thing is we need to get reviews, right? And truth be told, the only way right now that we are actively getting reviews is the early reviewer program. Same. That's yep, it. Same. And it works. Yep. And it's miraculous because they usually give like five-star reviews. Our, our average rating went way up over trying to solicit ourselves. Um, and it's pretty inexpensive. And, and Amazon's allowed to do that because they know how to word it perfectly to stick within you know terms of service of the government, essentially. So they make it happen. So early review program. All right. So let me say this about launching. If you're sourcing and launching the right product, it needs very little manipulation. Okay. Because there are products that we frequently launch that aren't on Amazon or, or there's only one other option on Amazon and, and we organically start selling it well. But we also know that there are occasions where we need a little bit of help, right? So what would happen was, uh, and you guys all know this, this is common knowledge, but traditionally we would go through this series where we would deeply discount stuff and we'd have all these crazy you know, URLs that do all sorts of things that um, convince Amazon's algorithm that more people want this than they really do. Right. So let's go back to the, uh, you're familiar with the term, the Amazon flywheel, yes. right? But some of our audience might not be. So maybe we should uh, have a bit of a chat. All about right. That. So the Amazon flywheel is a, is a basically, I don't know, a game plan that Jeff Bezos wrote down on a napkin supposedly. And what it was is, you know, the concept of a flywheel, which is this big metal wheel, you know, on an engine is the faster it spins, the more centrifugal power, you know, more centrifugal force and more inertia and momentum that it, that it has and the more powerful it gets. So when Jeff was trying to launch his business, he was like, how do I get this thing spinning? You know, what can I infuse into this wheel to make it spin faster? And one of the things that really made it spin faster was uh, customer experience. Okay. Now there's things like price, there's things like selection, so lower price, larger selection, but also customer experience. And when, you know, maybe three years ago when Amazon was really letting us do some crazy stuff to manipulate rankings, the precedent in that Amazon flywheel that was winning, honestly, was low price and selection. Because if we could rank faster, we would put more products on Amazon, creating a bigger catalog, which would drive more traffic, which is another aspect of that wheel. And the prices were lower because at any time Amazon buyers could get on and they had things that were selling at 80% off retail. You know, just stupid low prices. And even though, you know, sellers couldn't continue to sell their price at 80% below retail forever, there was always somebody else doing it. So that was great for the Amazon flywheel, quote unquote. The problem is it eventually hurt uh, the customer experience. Why? Is because when Amazon buyers were going and searching something, since we could manipulate rankings so easily, and uh, especially like, crap products, you know, and I hate to say it, but you know, a lot of like Chinese sellers realized how easy it is to manipulate it. All they were worried about was, you know, profits and ranking and trying to give away the cheapest thing they could. So it got to be this, this kind of process or this kind of um, influx of all of your page one results on these saturated products or saturated search terms, just being crappy products. Right. So Amazon started looking at it going, wow, we've been so particular about the selection and the price, the low price, but we've not done anything for consumer confidence. And this is when things started to get bad for Amazon, like big brands started pulling out immediately, like big, big, big brands saying we're not selling on Amazon anymore because Amazon's just a junk pile. 
right? And then this is all about the same time when the FCC started coming in and saying, hey, guys, we have a problem because you're manipulating consumer confidence because what Amazon was doing was they were giving Amazon's Choice Badge and Best New Release Badge and you know Best Product Badge based on sales velocity. Well, it wasn't really the best product. So if we could manipulate our search location and rank for all of those items, we were essentially defrauding the consumer into thinking they were getting something better than they're really getting, right? Yeah, it was crazy. So that's when Amazon, um, you know, it's always been against the terms of service to not manipulate rank. But now, uh, I mean, even the past two two months, we've been watching this uh, massively. People are getting their accounts suspended for quote unquote manipulating reviews, or I'm sorry, manipulating rank. And the way that we're seeing that happen is a very large percentage, and no one's pinned down a number yet, of like giveaways at more than, I think the magic number is 69%. So if you're at 70% or higher giveaway, Amazon is flagging you. And if they see that your entire business model is based on just these BSR ranking hacks and and Mm. quote unquote launches, they're suspending accounts because they know that you're selling a bunch of bull, probably selling a bunch of bullcrap products that nobody really wants, but you're convincing Amazon to show it to them as if, you know, that was a hot selling item based on consumer purchases. Right. When you said the seventy percent, you're actually talking about the amount of discount that's being applied to to these products during yes, the launch. Yeah, the, yeah I know correct. That, the discount amount. I know that Viral launch. launch have actually now with their launch service. Not that it's a big part of their business anymore, but they've actually reduced the the amount that you're allowed to discount by with their launches down to sixty five percent. So you're not allowed to discount any more than sixty five percent to try and. Um, reduce the the risk, I guess, to new sellers who come along and you know launch their very first product and then fall straight into that what would you call an algorithmic trap where they get this account suspended straight away. Yeah. Mm. There, we know that there is several mm-hmm. hundred accounts, several hundred accounts that were all using Viral Launch that oh, got suspended. I didn't know that, um, mm. and that's yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. that's pretty sad. Um, and, and that's one of those deals that like buyer beware. You know, we all know that we shouldn't be manipulating rank. We all know that we're gaming the system and it's in the term of service. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to manipulate rank. So just because we do it and get away with it doesn't mean that it's not going to come down and mm-hmm. bite us in the butt later. And, and that's really what happened. So um, right now what we're seeing uh, uh, more black hat stuff. And I'll say this. I was at a conference in Austin, Texas a few weeks ago. My buddy Kevin mm-hmm. King threw it. And he uh, he intentionally wanted to make this the highest end conference that that has has happened, and I think it mm. was as far as content. But we were looking at a lot of things that work that um, you know review minute. I'm sorry, uh, rank manipulation, mm. black hat type stuff. And right now, I'm not proposing that any of you listeners do this, but Amazon still hasn't caught up to um, placements in things like shopping carts and wish lists, right? So there's still like these little hacks and you can find them on Facebook and these black hat groups where people are, you know, literally hiring armies of people to go put your product in their wish list and in your um, yeah, to cart. shopping yeah, cart right. and, yeah. and even doing things like purchasing with a invalid credit card number mm-hmm. because Amazon will count that as a purchase and they'll actually cancel the transaction like eight days later. Wowzers. Right. Mm-hmm. So without any money, you can actually purchase these things mm-hmm. and they have these armies of people around the world do this. So- yeah, they, I can see all your full full price sales coming through, uh, which is fantastic yes. for rankings, right? Yeah. So yep. wowzers. Mm-hmm. So um, there is that stuff out there, but but here's the thing. I don't have any like secrets to launching. I don't Good. because there are none. Because because when it comes to Amazon selling, you know, we like to think this is like 
a life hack. You know, I use it all the time. Like, how do we do this next ninja skill? Well, the truth is we need to go a little bit old school and remember that this is just a product business. That's all it is. Like we offer a good product at a good price. People will buy it and we are rewarded for it. But it takes time. It's not instant, right? So everything that we do is white hat and we just optimize the crap out of everything. Make sure that we're indexing on all of like the long tail keywords that we need to. And really our entire launch strategy right now, aside from earlier viewer program, mm-hmm. is PPC. I was going to say. PPC, yeah. the crap out of everything, right? So last week, uh, in the last episode, we talked about PPC campaigns that we use for research, data mining, testing, mm-hmm. right? So our second version of PPC that we run is our launch campaign. And this is where we get aggressive, Okay. Because let's say I'm selling a garlic press and I want to get on page one for garlic press. By the way, don't yeah, sell garlic say. press. It's just an example. <laughs> don't do that. So I want to get on page one for garlic press. How do I actually start ranking, right? Mm-hmm. People have to buy my stuff. They do. That's all there is to it. Yep. If people buy my stuff, they click my product uh, listing and they buy it. That's the best way to rank. So how do I get them shown? You're like, how do I get people to land on my page? Well, of course, PPC. So something like garlic press is going to be very saturated. It's going to be $3 a click. But if I want to get on page one organically, I'm just going to afford, you know, $3 a click, right? So on our launches, we'll be very, very, very aggressive about even some of the more saturated keywords, Mm. okay? And we know that we're doing this just to get sales because Amazon wants to support listings that sell so they can get their 15% commission, right? So they're going to watch what we're doing and see that we're investing in them. So we're paying them PPC dollars. They're going to invest in us by placement. And usually what we'll do is we'll have a list of like competitive keywords, maybe one, two or three keywords like garlic press, you know, or um, garlic mincer would be that Mm. where the long tail keywords would be silicone handle garlic press or squisher thing for garlic Mm. or, you know, like whatever those long tail keywords are. And we're going to intentionally target the long and short tail keywords, but the short tail keywords are just going to be for a short period of time. We might only do that for two weeks, right? Um, Because we know we're going to get the most amount of traffic and wish list ads and all that stuff there organically with those aggressive campaigns. And we're just going to spend a ton of money. That's all there is to it when you're launching and especially anything that's slightly competitive and you've just got to pay to play. But as you get those sales, you'll start ranking up organically on the long tail keywords. Okay. So when you're ranking up on the long tail keywords, which are less competitive, guess what? I can stop spending money on long tail keywords because guys, let me tell you one of my biggest pet peeves. When I go to a product listing, or I'm sorry, a keyword you know, result, and I see a PPC ad for your product, and you're also the number one spot, right? So I see your ad side by side. You guys have yeah. all seen this. If that's happening, turn off the freaking ad for that long tail keyword. Because you're already in position one. You don't need an ad. Mm -hmm. Okay? And all that happens is people click your ad because it's the first one. Mm -hmm. You're paying for for, for PPC costs that you don't need. Right? Mm -hmm. So by actively targeting these more expensive keywords and I start indexing and ranking for these long tail keywords, the first thing that will happen is I'll start ranking page one on the long tail keywords. I can cut those ads. Well, guess what? When I cut those ads, I have more budget where I can spend on the short tail keywords. Mm -hmm. Okay? So now, because I can add my organic sales with my with my PPC sales, mm-hmm. my average cost of sale goes much lower, right? So when you combine your organic and your PPC, your ACOS significantly drops. Right? Yeah, I was, I was just so, going to interrupt there for one second because the other thing was that last week we spoke about how you were pretty aggressive with your PPC during the product research phase. It sounds to me as though you probably got quite a lot of the keywords actually already dialed in and ready to roll for a full proper launch. Would that is that accurate? 
Um, well, yeah, they're, they're kind of two different things. So one is research and we know, you know, yeah, like what's going to have the most impression. So we'll drag that information that we learned in the test phase to the launch phase. And we know what we're going to have to target more heavily and what's going to be less expensive. Where do automatic campaigns fit into this world, if at all? They, they do not in phase two. Okay. Because phase two, we are being very tactical and we're targeting this thing. Now, after two or three weeks, let's assume that we're ranking page one for several short tail keywords and we're beginning to rank a little bit. Maybe we're on page three or four for the short tail keywords, but we can't sustain this, right? Now is when we jump to our operational listing or our operational PPC campaign. This is a complete flip. So now what we do is we go back and we target the short term um, keywords, the short tail keywords, because if we drop our ads on the expensive keywords, we're going to lose everything, right? So now what we do is we go back to those inexpensive keywords and say, okay, if we have to pay 40 cents a click, who cares? And we turn on, we turn back on the ads for all the short tail keywords to hold us in position. And then we turn off the expensive ones. Now, what's that do? That means that we will maintain our position on all of the mm-hmm. long tail keywords. Page one, you know, if we're in spot one, we might turn an ad off. But if we're on, you know, spot six, seven, we'll still keep an ad on. But we're still investing in Amazon. And what will happen is over time, we will naturally continue indexing and ranking for those expensive keywords that we never want to run an ad on. We just want to get to page one and stay there, right? So Amazon's algorithm is tracking our conversion rate for the long tail keywords, but we're also indexing mm-hmm. for the short tail keywords. So they're going to start giving us some ranking love on those long tail or on those short tail expensive keywords, right? Um, and when we do this, this is when we turn uh-huh. on our automatic campaigns. Our automatic campaigns literally is giving Amazon permission to say, find out how to sell this stupid thing, <laughs> right? We are handing them the reins and saying, yeah. figure it out for me. Now, one thing that we do is everything that we're running a manual campaign on, we negative keyword that out. And you guys will see that when you go set up your automatic campaign, you'll see a little tab that says negative or negative keywords. We will literally copy and paste all of our manual campaign terms or or words into the negative because otherwise they'll run an automatic campaign against your manual campaign. Now, they say they cancel it out, but that's bull crap. Mm -hmm. They're so far behind. they, They can't keep up. They're... I've seen some crazy stuff happen where I have two ads side by side and I mean, it's all messed up. So negative that out, put a very inexpensive click uh, bid on your manual or on your automatic. So maybe like 30 cents or 40 cents and literally give Amazon permission to go out there and find these other little keywords. Now, once a month we download a bulk file and we say, holy crap, this is a cheap keyword. We were paying 20 cents a click for it. It's got a click through rate of 50% and we had 30 sales last month. Great. Take that, add it to your manual, delete it off of your automatic, and just keep that automatic chugging along. So we're using it for data mining and letting Amazon do research for us. But occasionally we'll get a few sales in there that were mm-hmm. stupid cheap, mm-hmm. so who cares? You know what I mean? But that's the only time and place we use automatic campaigns. Um, Amazon is, you know, Amazon made billions with a B, <laughs> b- 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 billions last year in PPC. And you know where most of that came from is automatic campaigns. Because Amazon teaches people mm-hmm. to say, hey, so let us easy. handle it for you. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, sp- mm-hmm. we'll spend your money, you know. it's so And, you, and people turn on automatic campaigns and they overspend mm-hmm. and it sucks and all that good stuff. So we only let them run their ad- automatic campaigns at a very, very, very low budget after we've already set up everything manually and taken all the key, you know, all the, like the prime keywords for ourselves in manual campaigns. So the first question I was going to ask was, how long in your experience does it take to use PPC to rank for say a short tail keyword or is that as asking a question like how long is a piece of string? I guess that can vary. 
Yeah, that's like how long is a piece of string? It can vary so much. There are some products that, you know, we will organically rank the day we launch, you know, if it's something that's in demand with low competition. Other times we'll run, you know, a pretty aggressive PPC campaign for two months until we get to where we want to be. So, you know, it's definitely like not an apples to apples. It's like apples to cats comparison. Like, <laughs> like that's a everything lot is so different. Now, mm. yeah. So this is the point where people start to get antsy. Okay. People are like, all right, I've launched this product. It's going to take a while, but now what do I do? You know, don't get in there and fiddle with this thing. You know, use your index checker to make sure you're indexing once a week, whatever, stay away from it. So what people will do is they'll find a little success in my experience. People find a little success with one listing or one product and they want to just beat a dead horse, like leave it alone. This is where you take your energy, your effort, your experience, your wisdom and go find more products. I was going to say, how do we scale from here? launch freaking more products. That's all there mm-hmm. is to it. And don't get caught up in all the branding bull crap, right? What I see is yet, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second. I see so many people that, Tim, I've got my one product up. How do I hire an agency to set up my, my Shopify page and do my social media campaigns? And I say, you don't. They say, why not? I said, because you got one freaking product. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like you're going to spend so much effort trying to build out this big back end when you can spend that same information and launch six more products on Amazon. So what we do is we launch product. We throw it at the wall. I can't, you would be shocked at how random some of our stuff is that we sell and sell well. But when we launch a product that we find, you know, through various ways, um, and we launch another one, we launch another one, launch another one. We will begin to see the emergence of what I call flagship products. Okay. These are the products that I'm paying more attention to that are doing better that may identify a niche for me. And it's easy to go, well, shoot, I can also sell this and this and this and this and this around it. Right. So these flat flagship products. When I find a flagship product and I start launching other complementary products that may fit into a brand, I'm still not thinking brand yet, guys. It's not time to think brand. But what you can start thinking of is catalog. Okay. So we go from products, we identify flagship products, and we start thinking about building a catalog. Because here's the thing. An off Amazon catalog only works with about 10 or more products. And here's what I mean. You go to a Shopify site for fire truck toys. If you only have three products, you're going to look pretty crappy, right? Everybody knows that's not legitimate. And, you know, like three product Shopify page, I see it all the time. It's 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 crappy and they're spending so much time maintaining that and doing their SEO and doing their ads. When they only have three products, they can't be getting enough sales to justify it. Right. And the other magic about websites is that one product will drive them to your website and then you can cross sell them to other Mm. stuff. You guys have done it. You've, you've searched something, clicked a Google ad, taken you a website. And for the next seven months, you're getting ads from other products on that same website on Facebook because they hit you with a pixel, right? It's genius. Mm. Like how many times can I advertise it in the same toy fire truck? Like twice. That's it. If I hit them 28 times, who cares? They're going to get sick of you. Okay. So right now, you know, because we only have a limited amount of energy, effort and ability, we have to prioritize our resources. And I am a firm believer that the more products right now that you can launch on Amazon to, you know, with the resources that you have, the better, because it is the fastest and, you know, they're driving traffic. But as you start seeing these flagship products, start thinking about building a catalog. And once you start getting enough products into a catalog, and you have 10 items or so, that's when you start thinking about branding. That's when you're thinking about a Shopify page or WooCommerce page, when you're thinking about some social media presence. And what's crazy is if you're doing right on the products, that other stuff will happen organically. Mm-hmm. 
right? And let me give you an example. One of the the our most successful brands right now, um, we made this really cool brand story. We were only selling on Amazon for one product. St- or I'm sorry, let me back mm. up. We found this one product idea. It started selling really well. We thought this is awesome. We started adding complementary products, complementary products, complementary products, and they were selling well. Now we're like, okay, this may turn into something. Now let's go get our trademark for enhanced brand content uh-huh. and all that yeah. stuff. Like we don't do this too early, no. right? Once we identify this flagship product that starts turning into a catalog and we're like, oh, we got something rolling here. And then we end up with like uh, 10 or 12 products. We're thinking, hey, let's do some Shopify and social media stuff. Okay. So we start playing around with hashtags. And my partner calls me one day. She said, Tim, go to Instagram. I said, okay. And she said, type in hashtag brand name. Like this just brand name I made it for Amazon. I typed it in and like 95 posts popped up in Instagram. And what it was, was people were buying our products and loved them so much. They were literally hashtagging our brand name organically, right? We didn't even have to start a social media thing. Like the people were already there. And now what was cool is we started messaging all these people and saying, hey, would you like to test more of our products? Here's a 50% coupon, you know, for a new product. And like all this crazy stuff started happening because we started doing well with the product selection. And when you start with the right products, all this other stuff happens organically. But then we go out and we're like, all right, let's hire a Shopify agency to build our site, handle our SEO, and run all of our Google ads and Facebook ads because we don't have time for that. But it wouldn't be worth our time and our ROI for that if we didn't already have a catalog built of 10 to 12 products that they could cross sell mm. and all that good stuff. So do right? you just, obviously we talked about the, the website side of things, but do you actually look at other marketplaces like you know Walmart, Jet, those sort of marketplaces as well or ebay or do you just really just stick with amazon and then so, you know, if, if the catalog gets big enough um and the branding kind of starts happening then you're just onto your own website together with amazon yeah so the one of the big advantages of your own website is you get to keep your traffic right you can pixel them up you can get their email addresses um right now ebay in the u.s is pretty abysmal right people mm-hmm. aren't messing with it but there's enough traffic there that if we can easily automate sure we'll do it so what we did is we started using a program we used to use uh joe lister, yeah. joe lister. now we use a program called listing mirror um, that's a good one and listing mirror appears to be much better for us and listing mirror is basically cross um cross listing onto ebay for us Let's FBA, Amazon FBA handle all the fulfillment. It's just a little bit of free money, but but it's, you know, eBay is so slow, especially with yeah. a lot of our products not. Now, as far as Jet and Walmart, Jet was the biggest mistake that Walmart's <laughs> okay. made in two decades. They bought mm. that thing for like $2 billion, mm. right? Some ridiculous, absurd number. And nobody even knows what it is. Like nobody in the U.S. says, I'm going to go to jet.com today. Who cares? Nobody's ever heard of it. If I wasn't in the e-commerce space, I wouldn't know what it is. And I haven't landed on their website in two years, Mm -hmm. even knowing about them. Right? So jet was Amazon's investment to try to take on Amazon. And it was a massive fail. Yeah. So here's the thing. Yeah. So here's the thing about Walmart. Walmart's also shooting themselves in the foot because they realize they need to cater to retail customers. They do uh, in-store pickup now. Mm -hmm. Right? And if you guys aren't familiar with that, here's what it is. When my wife needs to go grocery shopping, we do a lot of grocery shopping at Walmart. And Walmart's only a mile from my house, a big Walmart supercenter. She goes online to walmart.com and she buys all of her groceries and dog food and, you know, hairspray and all the other crap that she needs and puts it on a shopping cart and says, I will be there between 4.30 and 5 p.m. tomorrow. And she clicks a button. She pays for it. And the next day at 4.30, we pull up into a designated parking spot. We call the number on the sign in front of us. And within two minutes... 
A smiling, cheerful employee walks out with a buggy and puts everything in our car. And we don't have to get the kids out of the car seat, nothing. So what just happened? They accidentally combined the ease of online shopping with the quick speed and ability to have fresh produce and refrigerated things and, you know, frozen food all in one. So I think Amazon or Walmart just shot themselves in the foot in the online shopping venture. Um, Jet definitely has. So for us, it has not been worth our time to get listings. And also, gosh, Jet, the onboarding process is a nightmare trying to get listings approved. So for us, you know, I tried it with some consumables maybe three or four years ago. And even then it was abysmal. But for the most part, it's getting worse. The only people that I know that have had success with Jet and or Walmart are consumables like groceries that have a high return purchase rate, right? But most of your just average private label products like kitchen goods and toys and all that stuff, Walmart and Jet aren't really designed for those things, the way their their websites work. So it's not worth it. And I know people that have spent, you know, 80 man hours getting onboarded and approved from Walmart and get two sales yeah. a month and make yeah, $9, yeah, yeah. you know? So for us, it's been a complete okay. bummer. So that's why we immediately try to jump to Shopify, start collecting emails, pixeling them up, getting all that off Amazon traffic and the ability to, to cross market to them and all that stuff. And we can access Google ads, which is cheaper than Walmart ads and it has cool. a better reach. So for us, it's just been a whole lot better. One of the things we spoke about off air was the fact that you'd sold an Amazon business. In fact, you mentioned it at the top of the show. Can you talk us through how that process went down? Like, What was the reason for the sale and what was the, what did the result look like for you? So my story is a little bit different because I was working with a buddy of mine, a startup company, and uh, I said, we need to sell on Amazon. He says, no, we don't. And I said, by God, we do. And I actually started the Amazon account without him knowing mm-hmm. about it. And I started sending stuff in and he said, where are these boxes going? I said, oh, no. <laughs> he looked at the label. He said, what's Amazon? I said, we're selling on Amazon. You're going to deal with it. And we blew up, like I said, over a million sales at like 30% margins in the first Mm -hmm. seven months. So we started really doubling down and investing in those private label things. And what I did to them is I was just an employee. I said, hey, guys, look, you got to give me ownership. And they said uh, of the company. And they said, because we were then accounting for like 40% of the revenue of this company. And they said, no, we're not going to give you ownership in our company, but we'll let you have the Amazon account because, you know, we don't want to mess with it. And I said, what? And they said, if you'll take the Amazon account as your own and still work for us, you know, on this other side, these other projects that you're running, but basically, you know, forego your salary, then we'll let you mm-hmm. do that. They're terrible mm-hmm. negotiators. I said, absolutely. So, so what I did is I took the, I took over the Amazon account and I quit working on yeah. the other projects. There's no, there's no reason for revenue with me. And um, basically landed myself. I had built it all myself. Um Anyways, but landing myself in this and now mine got to be a pretty political issue. Like, you know, we started fighting about stuff and who's responsible for what and all this stuff. So the reason that we sold was basically I was sick of dealing with the drama involved. Right. And also, I knew that a time was coming when people would pay less multiples. Right. So what I did is I worked to deal with them um, where basically I own the Amazon account. But at the time, uh, because when I set up the, the program, it wasn't or the setup or contract wasn't great. They own the inventory. Basically, what I did is I sold the account, all of the sales channels and everything. And I had to pay them back right. for the inventory. But I walked away with a humongous figure, like more money than I ever thought I'd see in 10 years in my life. Wow. Okay. Right. And all we did is at the time we used Empire Flippers. I was going to say, yeah. 
And what we did is we said, and, and it was a terrible purchase. The guy that bought it really, you know, a year later, looking back, he shouldn't have bought it. But all we did was said, hey, here's like 22 private label products that come from China. There's really not very good branding, but it's selling. And we have some wholesale accounts that you continue to access. Yep. Um, our Amazon account is doing X. We're going to do a five and a half time multiple of the profits, which was big. That's huge. Right? Profits over a year. Yeah. That was huge. It was huge. But remember, that was three years ago wow. too. But five and a half times multiple in profits, mixture of wholesale. So about 70, maybe 65% private label. The other, you know, 30, 35% wholesale. Yep. Now- when he when he bought that account and I took my big check, I then paid for the inventory so that we can transfer that. And that inventory was about ninety thousand yep. dollars at the time. But I still walked away with a humongous six figure check, mm. you know, enough mm. to, you know, do all sorts of cool <laughs> stuff with. And um it was awesome. But looking back, what I realized is, you know, because I was thinking, wow, what a non traditional way to sell a business and acquire a business and all that stuff. And I used to be like a little bit turned off by like, how am I going to tell people how to buy and sell a business when my situation is so weird? What I've since found out is every situation is weird. You know what I mean? Like most of us are entrepreneurs. There's not like a clear cut. Oh, I had one product that blew up. And you know, most of us are having to partner with people and most of us are having to take, you know, investment money or VC money or something to get started and, and really scale, maybe not get started, but to scale, you know, when things start to blow up. And the other thing is people are becoming less excited about buying Amazon businesses. Why? Because a lot of products on Amazon can be replicated, but also you have this dependence on Amazon, right? One reason I said like this guy that bought the business was a little bit screwed really is what if the day he bought the business, the wholesale supplier said, oh, we don't want to sell to you anymore. Boom. 30% of his revenue gone. Like there's no protection. So right now, um, one of my business partners with Hickory Flats, he also has a separate business brokerage. And what he is seeing is a very steep decline in the value of Amazon businesses unless they're not dependent on Amazon. So if they have branding, if they have a list, if they have, you know, channels, stuff like that, um, where, you know, an Amazon suspension doesn't put them in a business, it increases the value. And what we're seeing right now is Amazon private, 100% private level businesses are going for about a two-time multiple, but e-commerce businesses with branding and off Amazon traffic and a list and, and really SOPs and, you know, employees put in place that can transfer the business. So like a lot of VAs or third party prep centers, as opposed to like physical employees, you know, some of those are going for six and seven multiple mm. on average. So if we quit thinking of ourselves as Amazon sellers, think of ourselves as e-commerce sellers that are utilizing multiple facets of traffic and multiple platforms and, and acquiring our own customer base, the multiples are actually increasing from where they were two yeah, or three yeah. years ago. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Cause it's proven itself. And now like small boutique hedge funds are getting in on the action. Like, like we probably have um, access to over $150 million of people that we know that want to purchase businesses. Now they're just looking for the Goodness. right ones, you know, because these big investors are getting in because it's been proven that e-commerce businesses can mm. be profitable, but we have to be thinking long-term. Like I talked about flagship products to catalogs, yep. to brands, to non Amazon, you know, dependent. That's where you make your money. And it takes two or three years. Nope. It's not instant, you know, but, but it, it's definitely so worth cool. it. Yeah. So, so right now our plan is every brand about 24 months, we give ourselves 24 months with a brand and catalog and spin that off and sell it separately and just keep our business churning those in and out. That's a, such an awesome model. Yeah. I really love that. I just, uh, 
yeah, I just need to start building harder and start building out some new brands. Really looking forward to applying a lot of the things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks to my own business. Um, fantastic advice and yeah, just amazing experiences that you've shared with us, Tim. I'm super grateful to you. Hey, we might have to wrap it up <laughs> unless you want to come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next week I'm okay, traveling. Let's park that. Uh, but that has just been amazing, and we'll definitely get you back on uh, in the you know some hopefully before the end of the year. To uh, we'll, I'm sure there's plenty of other topics that we can discuss. Uh, but yeah, and yeah. and hey, if any of you listeners want to reach out to Chris and say, hey, can Tim talk about X? Then um, you know, Chris, shoot me some ideas and stuff. There's all sorts of stuff I can talk about. You know, yeah, it sounds great. But but you, the listeners, can definitely input on that. I'm sure Chris doesn't mind me speaking for him when I say this. No, but not at all. That's it. It'd be fantastic. Brilliant stuff. All right, how do we get in touch and all that good stuff at the end of every show? Big one is Facebook. Look us up. Uh, Private Label Legion is the group name. Just type Private Label Legion. Request join the group. Like the fan page. Private Label Legion will send you. Um, you know, also, or you'll get notifications, new content mm-hmm. on there. Check us out at hickory-flats.com. Our podcast, which is Legion Radio, you can find that on all the big podcast uh, services. Also, YouTube, Private Label Legion or Tim Jordan, you can find us. Or look me up on Facebook, shoot me a message and and uh, tell me what you got going on. I'd love to hear from you guys uh, personally too. Fantastic. Thanks again, Tim, the busiest man probably in America right now, I think, with all the things that you've got going on. So. <laughs> awesome. I don't know about all that. Yeah, I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, let's catch up soon. Cheers, mate. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.